Shalom, my friends. It's Jim Martin coming to you once again with a message from God's timeless truths in His Word. Today we are considering the fifth chapter of Daniel's prophecy, Daniel chapter 5. Yet another strange incident in the book of Daniel that regards and actually fulfills a prophecy that was predicted, was given to Daniel back in chapter 2 of his book here, to Nebuchadnezzar, the despotic king of Babylon, who was assigned to care for God's chosen people, at least the remnant thereof. So, today, let's get our copy of Scripture in whatever translation, in whatever language speaks to your heart, and Turn to Daniel chapter 5, and we'll look at the incident that is known as the handwriting on the wall. Hmm, pretty ominous, huh? Father God, we come to you once again dressed in the blood of your son Jesus. We come to you not in any righteousness of our own, because you are the righteous and holy God. So this morning, Lord, or today, wherever this video is viewed in this wide world of yours. I pray that you would take it and use it for your glory, that even perhaps, Lord, that its message would be transmitted to those who are in positions of authority and responsibility in your kingdom, which is an everlasting kingdom, which is universal and eternal. And today, Lord, as your servants, we bow before you. Teach us, Holy Lord what you want us to know. For we ask these things with gratitude in our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Very well. Since our last study in chapter 4, scholars believe that some 66 years have passed. We come upon a king in this story called Belshazzar. Now, let's not get confused with Daniel's Babylonian name of Belteshazzar. This is King Belshazzar. Uh, many think that he is actually the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. Now, last week we looked at Nebuchadnezzar's philanthropy, where he was really uh, saw himself as a cow and or as a, an ox and behaved thus and for seven years was excluded from the palace that he took such glory in and actually fed with the cattle, ate grass out in the field. And this, this happened for seven years. At the end of this, God allowed his sensitivity to come back to him, his senses to come back to him, and he gave God great glory. Uh, we also see that Daniel was used by God so many times in his prophecy and in this kingdom to relate the message of Most High God, Jehovah, to those that did not follow or believe, believe or follow him. So, today we see yet another incident of that. It is a great political and personal feast and celebration. Perhaps it was Belshazzar's birthday. We don't know. But we do know that a great feast was being conducted here. And Belshazzar's 
impropriety because he was drunk. Let's face it, he was drunk. He was overcome. He was under the influence of his wine and alcohol and in that impropriety, in that foolishness. And in his pride, Belshazzar requested that the golden vessels that had been removed from God's temple in Jerusalem by his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar be brought into the dining hall. Now, as we open up chapter 5, it tells us that Belshazzar the king held a great feast, and there was a thousand of his nobles, also his concubines, and they were drinking wine in the, in the presence of the king of these thousands. So that, I mean, he was making a show of his revelry. And they brought gold vessels that had been taken out of the temple. And they were drinking their pagan wines from these vessels. And Belshazzar was glorying in his glory. He was so arrogant and proud. And finally, God says, that is enough. Now, well, remember that in chapter 2 of Daniel's book, there was a great dream, a troubling dream, given to Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar's grandfather. And in this dream, he saw a, a, a great statue, fourfold in its composition, the head of gold and a... And a a trunk of silver and legs of bronze and feet of mixed iron and clay. And he saw a great stone being cut out of a mountain and hurled down that crushed this statue. And this dream was so troubling that none of Nebuchadnezzar's counselors could interpret this dream. And Daniel, of course, could. Uh, because he could not interpret the dream, but he was in direct contact with God who sent the dream, and he knew all this. So Daniel came in and, and told Nebuchadnezzar what the dream meant. And the head of the statue, the upper part of the statue, the head was a head of gold. And Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar that this represented him and his kingdom of Babylon. The trunk of sea uh, silver reckon, stood for, uh, and uh, it related a, a second kingdom, the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians, and so on, down the statue. And so Nebuchadnezzar said, okay, I'm the head of gold. There's nothing more valuable from gold, so I'm good with that. And he, get, he went on in his prideful conduct of his kingdom. Uh, we also saw a number of occasions in which he was humbled. Uh, God just, as we would say here in the southern U United States, he hit him upside the head with a two-by-four. He got his attention. He said, look, you are not all that. You are where you are because I put you there. I am God. You are not. And so Nebuchadnezzar had to keep learning that lesson. He had, he had to keep repeating that lesson in more and more dramatic ways. The tragic thing to me, my friends, it seems that he didn't pass those learnings to his progeny, to, the, to his successors. Pride will always do that. It may, for the moment, learn a lesson or recognize a principle, but because pride is so self-centered, 
by its very definition, right? Uh, the lessons are not transmitted to others. Now, how should we believe and behave in Babylon of the 21st century? Well, I think uh, we see a number of lessons being taught all around us, my friends. We should not necessarily expect that the people to whom these lessons are being directed are going to learn anything from them. Isn't that, isn't that just tragic? <sighs> Yet we see it repeated over and over and over again, regardless of the political political party or the re regime or whatever, the economic circumstances or the whatever it is, lessons are being taught by God to people who are in authority and have responsibility and yet they don't seem to leave. They don't seem to learn those lessons. They may temporarily alter their path and their behavior, but ultimately it seems like nothing is learned and nothing is really changed. So, what do we what do you say? Well, we can get really cynical about the whole affair, throw up our hands and say, well, uh, let's eat, drink, and be merry before tomorrow we die. Well, New Testament in chapter in Luke's gospel tells us about a man that said that very thing. He said, man, I've done so good. I have a bumper crop this year. And so what am I going to do? I think I'm going to build, tear down my old insufficient barns and silos and build new ones and just sit back and, and eat and drink. And God says, you fool, do you not realize that this night your life will be required of you? And then who's going to get all you've stored up for yourself? You are a fool. Indeed, anybody that persists in ignoring God's lesson a theological term for that person is fool. It's one who acts without wisdom. So Belshazzar was a prime example. He was partying with all his nobles. Uh, everybody was giving him superficial lip service glory. Oh, you are the great king of Babylon. You are the everlasting king. Blah, 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 blah. And he was soaking it in. And he called uh, called for the vessels from the from the storehouse that had come from God's holy house. These were vessels that had been dedicated and committed to the Lord. They had been sanctified, and yet they'd been captured by this pagan king, the pagan empire. And now, the grandson who had nothing to do with the original conquest, he just said, "These are neat." cups and drinking cups so let's bring them in and let's drink let's eat let's have a party we are on top and suddenly there was an uninvited guest and very unwelcome guest that showed up at the party the guest took the form of a human hand the word says and the human hand began writing on the wall now, in our modern modern day parlance, when we said the handwriting is on the wall, we said, well, it's pretty obvious there's a message here. It's obvious what the message is. Usually it's, it's not a good message, right? Uh, the message is not good news, as we say. And it's not fake news, it's real news. And everybody sees the hand by, handwriting and everybody understands what it is. Well, in this case, the handwriting on the wall was seen by everybody and nobody understood what it meant. 
Nobody could read the writing. Now, scholars have just had a field day on this. They said, well, what, what, what was the writing? Was it, what language was it in? We don't know. And it's really not it's really not important for us to know other than God had written it in a language that was indecipherable to the people present at the party. And so, obviously, when you have this huge hand scratching a message in an unknown language on the wall of your party chamber, then you know something's happening and it's probably not good. Well, Belshazzar recognized at least that part. Said, this is a message and it's not good news. All right, so all my wise men, my counselors, my conjurers, magicians, all the philosophers, bring all those guys in. Now, you guys look up on that wall. They can see it. They can see the lettering on the wall. But none of them could understand it. And they got just as disturbed as the king did. Remember in our previous chapters, when the king was upset, things turned bad quickly. Uh, the, the, the joke around, if mama's not happy, nobody's happy. Well, if the king's not happy, people start to die. In that, in that regime, if the king was, was unhappy and he asked you to do something and you couldn't do it, your life is over. Well, in this case, everybody feared. When the king began to, his knees began to knock, and we won't go into that. My wife, my delicate wife, says, do not go into what that really means. But it means he was extremely afraid. He was deeply disturbed by the fact that there was writing on the wall he couldn't read it, and neither could anybody else in the room. Now, the text says that there were over a thousand people in the room, and not a one of them could read the writing on the wall. So finally, Grandma comes in. And again, we all know that what Grandma says goes, right? Well, the queen comes in. Now, this is not Belshazzar's wife. This is either his mother or the, the, this is the queen mother, okay? She is either the uh, widow of the previous king or of even Nebuchadnezzar, maybe his daughter. It is the queen mother. She comes in. She has recollection as what's happened before. And she says, why, why are you so afraid? Why are you doing this? There's, don't you remember, don't you, aren't you aware that there's a man in your kingdom? Actually, he was in his, his cabinet, as we would say here in the U.S. He was in his high place of the position, but clearly he had been demoted since his previous position. He was no longer the chief of all the counselors. He was not the prime minister anymore. So, but Daniel's still alive. He's still functioning. Still in touch with God, going about his business day by day, and the queen mother knew about him. She remembered, well, okay, here's a here's a mysterious situation. We have a man in your kingdom in whom the the spirit of the high gods resides. See, they they recognized him as being a holy man. They didn't acknowledge who the holiness come from. Important for us to remember that. When we encounter a holy man, you say, where do you get your holiness? And if the answer is not from Jehovah, the most high God, and I'm just his servant, then you pass, you just keep going. Okay, but in this case, this holy man 
Daniel, Belteshazzar, he was the one in whom it was acknowledged God's spirit spoke. So they called him in, and Belshazzar did all the political things. He said, oh, Daniel, if, oh, Belshazzar, if you, if you can interpret this writing, then I'm going to do all these good things. I'll make you rich and famous. And, and Daniel says, keep it. I, uh, it sounds a lot like he was saying, oh, you're nothing. Keep it. You're out of here anyway. I don't know. Uh, Daniel really wasn't that kind of a person. He treated everybody with respect, even those that tried to kill him, as we'll see next week. He treated everybody with respect. And he says, you keep your gifts for yourself. I'm not motivated by, by personal gain here. Here's what God says. He says, the message is, the, the, right, the interpretation of the writing is, mine, mine, tekel, ufarsin. Those were the words. He says, here's the words, and here's what they mean. Mine means your days are numbered. The, mine is a name for number. It's been numbered. It's been counting. Do you realize somebody is counting your days? Somebody's counting my days. How many days do we have? We don't know. Therefore, we must be busy about God's work in the days we have left. See, Belshazzar says, I'm king. I'm king forever. You know, everybody comes in. Long live the king, whether they mean it or not. They may have a knife in their hand to make sure that long live the king isn't going to be very long. But he says, mine, mine. It's been repeated. All right. When God says something twice, you better be listening. If he says something three times, oh, my friend, you just better, you, you better just make sure your affairs are in order. And that's what he was telling Belshazzar. Now, you, you better sure be sure your affairs are in order because your time is up. Mine, mine. Your days are numbered. Take out. You have been weighed and you have been found wanted. Ufarshin or Perez. They're the, they're the same word, different different cases. Same word. It means division. Your, your kingdom is about to be divided. That was the message. Now, I want to go back to the, to the take out. He says, you've been weighed and found wanted. Remember, Belshazzar was seeking and flaunting glory. Now, the Hebrew word for glory really means weight. It's heavy. Glory. So there's a play on words after a fashion here. You understand? He was, he was thinking he was all that. Belshazzar was thinking he was so powerful, glorious, Heavy, heavy with what What was the heaviest metal, the densest metal known at that time? Gold, right? It was heavy. And he says, you've been weight. You think you're glorious? You think you're heavy? You think you're waiting? You think you're important? You've been weighed and found wanting. You, my friend, are a lightweight. In fact, you remember what the psalmist read? And those who know me will laugh at this as I go back into Psalm 1. But I find this is such a fundamental, foundational truth here. 
where it talks about the you know, blessed is the person that does not walk in the in the ways of the ungodly, nor stand in the in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, the mockers. But his delight, her delight, is in the law of the Lord, and in his law, they meditate day and night, and they will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. It brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also not does not wither, and whatsoever he does will prosper. But the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. See, Belshazzar thought he was heavy, but he was just chaff. God was using him for the moment. But if God is using you, maybe God's speaking through you. You know, me, I talk for a living now i i communicate with words for a living and sometimes if i were to give get all big on myself and say oh i'm big i'm a big shot now because i speak for the lord he says hey so did balaam's donkey so don't don't think you're all that you know if god wants to use the dog next door he can do that to communicate his message problem is if you wait that long it's kind of like belshazzar uh, he didn't get the message until the, the writing was on the wall and then the, it was too late for the recipient of the message it, it was done daniel told him you think you're weighty you're like chaff your kingdom is is divided it's been been taking from taken from you well belshazzar says well there you go Somebody has finally told me what the what the writing mean, means, and he just rewarded Daniel. Daniel didn't do this to be rewarded, but he was rewarded. I'm sure he said, "Okay, if you want to dress me in purple, dress me in purple. It doesn't matter to me. Whatever you want to do." And he gave him he he promoted him to third of the kingdom, which is kind of ironic because that very night Belshazzar met his doom. Cyrus. The Medo-Persian king diverted the Euphrates River and came in under the wall. And he, he killed Belshazzar and all his officials. He didn't kill Daniel. Daniel was protected. So, fulfillment of the prophecy, the Babylonian Empire ended. It toppled right here in chapter 5. Just as surely as it had been done the day after Nebuchadnezzar had his dream. Sixty-six years later, or more, this old man named Daniel comes in and says, God told us it was going to happen, and here it is. Tonight, maybe he didn't know it was going to be that very night, but he knew that since God says, Mene, Mene, your, day, your days are numbered, this kingdom will fall. What's the message today, my friends? What's the message for us? What is the teaching for you and me today? It's simply that God has told us what's going to happen. When is it going to happen? We don't know. It could be today or tomorrow. It could be a thousand years from now. It doesn't matter except that we'd better learn the lesson. Don't don't expect those in authority necessarily to learn the lessons that God is trying to communicate. It's up to us who are God's servants to read the writing on the wall and to conduct our affairs in such a way that we are on God's side and we are doing everything 
he has ordained us to do. That's the message. Don't expect the leadership of your country or your state or your organization to always get the message, especially if they don't claim any allegiance to Most High God, especially then. But don't get so disturbed if they don't. Remember, God is in charge. He is omniscient. He is all-knowing. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's all-present. And He is all. God is sovereign. Jesus is Lord. My African friends, in Swahili, Yesu Nibwana. I mean, Yesu Nibwana. Jesus is Lord. Pray with me. Father God, I just thank you for this lesson. I just pray that you would take it and use it for your glory wherever it goes. Lord, help us to pay attention to what you've told us because what you've said is, it is truth. It will be fulfilled in your time by your methods for your glory. Glory belongs to you. We praise you, my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen. We'll see you next week when we might hear, Here, kitty, 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 kitty. But maybe not. 